Hello and welcome to another episode of 10,000 Hours. I'm Grant Spanier. And I'm Vince Kochi. You are listening to episode 85 of the cast with the delightful Mr. Kevin Hughes. And may I add, very tall. Tall, venerable, generous man. Enthusiastic, earnest. Interested in the world and with many viewpoints, perspectives, and opinions. And, And it was those viewpoints, perspectives, and opinions that led us right into our conversation, didn't it? Absolutely. Kevin Hughes, uh, he's a man who's worn many hats. He's a man who's done many things. Uh, I had the pleasure of working with him for about a year's time when I was at Camel Bethune. He was also doing a stint there. Uh, He's since, and prior to that, done a lot of different things that have created different perspectives, or have they, sneak peek, at a discourse we had in the episode. Uh, But the, the, the topic was centered around shifting gears and the different approaches we need to take to different creative problems and pursuits. Man, it was a great conversation in studio, which is always a treat. And that guy is just, uh, he's a natural conversationalist, and he just, so fun. So fun and to chat And just positive. Yes, yeah, it was great. Absolutely. And he brought beer. He came bearing gifts, which is always a great way to start off the show. So shouts out to Kevin. Future <laughs> guests. Yeah, yeah, please listen up. Uh, shouts out to Kevin for coming on. And shouts out to Kevin for living what I would consider a non-stock lifestyle. Uh, our sponsor this week is Death to Stock. Uh, whom? Who? Who? Whom? Whom? Who? <laughs> I've been doing quite a bit of work with. I've uh, been leading some... Cr- uh, some cr- I've been leading some creative over at uh, Death to Stock on a bunch of projects. And uh, Death to Stock really is about living a non-stock lifestyle, supporting creatives in their endeavors, people who are breaking the mold, doing cool stuff. And uh, I think a great way to maybe get associated or acquainted with Death to Stock would be just signing up for the free pack of of uh, high-quality premium photos they're going to send you every month. I think 20 photos in your inbox. You can use them for whatever you want. It's kind of a easy way in, man. They are, and they're, they're a bunch of people and a, a project, a platform, and a perspective that are just earnest and awesome, and there's a reason why they've kind of been just around your life yeah, since they've been Very closely, the very closely related. It's kind of, I was just thinking about that example of the free photos in your box. It's kind of like someone going, hey, listen, I think we should probably be friends. Could we start out this relationship by, uh, once a month, I'm just going to send you a burrito. <laughs> is that okay if I could just send you a burrito? No strings attached. Yeah, just do whatever you want with burrito. it. You don't even have to eat it, but I'm going to send it to you. <laughs> yeah, that's not bad. Okay, shouts out to Death to Stock for supporting the show. Shouts out to Kevin Hughes for coming in studio uh, with us. Shouts out to my co-host Vince for showing up every week and, and keeping us on track. Hey, and to my co-host Grant for for everything that you do. Wow, just the blanket everything. Respect. And thanks for listening, listeners. Uh, hope you enjoy episode 85, Shifting Gears. What? You don't know who Kid President is? No. The dude, that dude? What? Kid President. He had the video like two years ago, three years ago. Jeez. He went out, I think he actually went out to the White House. No doubt. Met the adult president. <laughs>
I do have a question for you. Could you regale me? Could you? Am I using that right? Yeah. Okay. You are. I, I like first try. I like starting it out with one of those because I know we do that a lot. Where I'm wondering if I am saying a word right, and a lot of times it actually is. But I would say eighty percent of the time it's right. That's cool, and that's good because the other one out of five times I'm learning something, and and you know what? Actually, now that I think about it. Five out of five times I'm learning something, or even if it's just confirmation True. of correct usage. That's positive. And so what I was getting at is, what are you putting your time into? I, I wanted you to regale me with that answer. What are you working on right now? And if you could just answer those in order. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's referential. Uh, busy, busy at the old office, which is always a good thing. Uh, we recently won some new business, and we're starting to... Get that in the pipeline. Uh, some chitter chatter about what we're doing for Excel uh, and working on AHS Animal Humane Society. Excel Energy or That's just the one. In the, uh, Microsoft program, I thought. Yeah, Microsoft <laughs> Excel. What's our Excel strategy <laughs> going into 2016? <laughs> All the ads are going to be made in Excel. Oh, or wow. Excel. That actually might be kind of tight. That would be a tight thing. We should pitch that. Creativity is the child of restraint, right? Um, restraint. Step. Stepchild. Step, step half, child of half sibling, uh, but yeah, that's keeping me busy. Grant, what have you been putting your time? Man, recently? it's been a fucking cool week. I've been using my hands a little bit more than normal, which is a nice change of pace. Been installing neon uh, for my show coming up, which will have already passed. Sorry to date it, but uh, I've been working on that, and that's it's like coming along really dope. I'm sure there'll be. Video and photo and etc. What's it called for people who want to look up how it went when they listen to this? Yeah, it's called Lucid. Um, I'm sure it'll be on my site soon enough. But uh, I'm working on that project with the a neon artist named Jonathan Rodriguez. We'll show notes his site. It's really dope. Um, that dude's awesome. And then an illustrator named Nina Kime. And then we just last minute brought in this guy named Peter Steinick. And maybe we'll show notes his real because. Dude's next level motion graphics, and he's gonna be live VJing while we are DJing. Oh my god! I can't wait to go. I'm going to this. It's gonna be really fun. I'm hyped. I'm pretty hyped as well. And I'm also hyped for another reason. Yeah, it's it just seems like it's that point in the conversation where we, I don't know, kind of change it up. It's we shift. We pull the old segue lever. I, I'm gonna. I'm hitting the. I'm hitting the clutch right now. You get the <laughs> the whammy bar. Oh, oh, yeah, no, sorry. I was, thought we were doing like a car thing where uh, I don't know, we were cars. driving. Cars don't have whammy bars. <laughs> oh, little, little. All right, let's switch gears. That's a great idea. And let's introduce a guest of ours who we're very excited to have here with us on 10,000 Hours. Uh, he's a former co-worker of mine, uh, current... Former friend, friend former, former friend, friend current <laughs> Those were the uh, friend, and I, I'd be remiss not to say a bit of a creative inspiration. Ooh, we have one Kevin Hughes joining us. Thanks, Thanks for being here. Thanks, gentlemen. Yeah. In studio. Great, great to be here. What a in, treat. In the house. And he came bearing gifts, and I want to keep this going. Yeah, we like this trend. So he came bearing the gift of a growler of Dangerous Man Brew, which is a local brewery here in Minneapolis. It's very, very good and very, very well regarded. And it's delicious. Two in a row. Two guests in a row. Yeah, cheers indeed. Cheers, fellas. Hey, oh, there's that audio gold. 
audio gold that we so often achieve. Yeah, we mine. <clears throat> we just mine it all day long here, baby. So Kevin Hughes, besides being a an an interesting person and a talented person and a personal inspiration, it's somewhat Ooh, difficult. That was intro. Uh, yeah, I know, but it's somewhat difficult to introduce you. You're a man of. Many former titles and current titles, and a man of diverse paths. That is true. So maybe what would be best is for you to introduce you. Awesome. Wow. I can, I can do that. This is my first time doing this. Sweet. Um, yeah, so a little bit about, uh, <laughs> little bit about kind of my, my background. Yeah, I moved up to the Twin Cities. Um, been here for about eight or nine years. Um, started actually here at... at Target working in HR and recruitment. Before that, I was I was actually living out in California. Lived out in Pacific Beach area for about eighteen months. Was bartending, kind of living the dream, so to speak. Um, before that, I was actually over traveling in China. I, did, I played a season over in China uh, basketball and played um, that classic tale college basketball at Wisconsin Green Bay. So played in the Horizon League. Um, and then grew up outside of Milwaukee. So when I first heard your story, I was certainly intrigued, as I mentioned, by this uh, basketball tale. Because I met yep. you obviously after that time when you were somewhat new to advertising. Yeah, I mean, I maybe think a I've, couple years in. Yeah, or you were. In, yeah, I met you when you were coming through Methune. Um, yeah, applying for the for the the Lucky Thirteen, which is actually when I met Vince as well. Which wow. is a, yep. yeah, um, yeah. So I've I've been in. I guess the creative side of, of advertising in the city for about five or six years. So Maybe we'll, if we remember after the episode, we'll take a photo together because, uh, as mentioned, Kevin is a we basketball see, player. Yeah. And we, <laughs> we have a nice dynamic. I thought, yeah. yeah. We I, have a nice, I, often forget, I am 6'7". I often yeah. forget, yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's why I hug you whenever I see you because it's just sort of like, it just, just feels right, man. <laughs> it would be weird. It's weird to do anything else. <laughs> uh, like a little cove. <laughs> I know. I don't know. And I always call you Papa. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> So you you came from we kind of reverse engineered your time. It was HR, but then HR to working in advertising, or did you was there a transitionary period? No, HR into working in advertising. I went back to portfolio school here in the Twin Cities, um, but actually my time at Target, I was there for a little under three years. My time at at Target was was very interesting. I was working. Um, I was working in HR on the recruiting end and, and worked on a project that was um, around diverse retention in the Twin Cities. So the organization didn't have any trouble really recruiting individuals from the East or West Coast, um, diverse individuals, so African-American, Asian-American, Latino-American, but they had trouble retaining them. And so from an HR perspective, that's extremely difficult because uh you hire somebody in new, you got to train them, you got to catch them up to speed. Yeah. And so my first, my first two, two and a half years here, I was not only kind of studying the culture of target, you know, why do these individuals come in and then turn around after 18 months and, and leave and go back elsewhere. Um, I was, I was kind of researching the place that I lived. So I almost put on that, that sociologist hat, um, my first, you know, two, two and a half years, um, and really studied the twin cities, which was interesting. Um, but that kind of observational stuff I think is, is something that I still, I still do currently, uh, with my role. And, and that kind of brings us through more or less to present day. I know that 
you were at Kamamathun for a while. You moved from there, and now again there are changes going on uh, career-wise uh, for you. But maybe before we dive into all that, and I hope that we do at length. Uh, <laughs> man, we, man I'm, I'm just praying over here. I'm just praying that we do I know, my fingers are crossed. It's like um, we put all this effort to show up. We're sitting here. We already cheered. It's like, let's do it. We might as well, huh? <laughs> but before we do, let me do the honors of asking you, what are you putting your time into recently? So recently I've been working, um, so I've been working up at Lee Branding, which is an agency here Sweet. in- M- Moments away from me. In Northeast. And yeah. I like that, um, I like that unit of measure. Up, uh, up, up, up Lee? Blocks. Oh, oh I, said, I said moments. I said moments <laughs> away from Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. But not um, a lot of moments. Yeah. So I th- I've been up there. Um, Sweet. I've been working on some, some Medtronic work. So kind of getting in the healthcare industry, which is um, cool, relevant. Uh, and then also working with some um, on some links work, which is nice. I like the, the Minnesota links. Yeah. Okay. For oh, the WMBA, which, is, okay. which is owned by. I, which I thought you were gonna say you're like doing SEO, and I was just gonna be like, it, fuck off with Kev. National Geographic. I'm trying to save the links. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. There we go. So and Minnesota the links. And the links in the wolves. Yeah. And the links of the wolves. Explain are, this for people who are not in Minnesota. So Minnesota links are it's the WNBA franchise. We oh have my god, and they're here. so badass. Sorry, I was just and remembering just, how good they, they are. They came off the championship. It was their third, how many? Yeah. Their third title. Um, yeah, it's a cool, it's, it's funny because from the perspective of, of a former baller and having a product, I mean, you're a championship product, you're a champion. It's like trying to talk from a point of transparency and point of honesty. What's better than saying, guys, we won last year. We are the best. (laughs) We we are the best. (laughs) It's actually proven. Right. Doesn't get much better than that. So I've been, right. Makes my job easy, but yeah. So that's been yeah. So that's been the last. Uh, cool. I guess since the Seems turn like of the year, fit, I've been doing that and kind of drawn from. Yeah, I think it's drawn from my my experience and, and playing in college and overseas for a little bit. It's been nice nice fit. So you get out right. on the court at all? I still play. I still play about three four times a week. Whoa! Oh no, kidding. Yeah. What, what do you? What kind of leagues do you do? Um, I play a couple open gyms. Um, you know, Saturdays Saturday open gyms. Uh, Sunday Sunday night open gyms and then Wednesdays I play down in a suburb Egan. Um, so I'm still running Damn. around. I'm still, <laughs> still, still balling, right? I like yeah. it. I would Can't stop, won't we stop. Ball so just, <laughs> <laughs> there's courts up there. All right. It's a neighborhood. Moments this away. is the neighborhood special. Just this is moments the- away. I'm coming to ref. Uh, <laughs> so it's already been alluded to and it's already been, you know, the proof is kind of already in the pudding. You've taken a, a, a winding road. To get to where you are, and I'm guessing this isn't the last stop on that journey either. And along those <clears throat> paths, you've had to switch gears a lot, uh, be it from a practical standpoint in terms of your career trajectory, and also probably, I'm speculating, from a approach standpoint, creative standpoint, changing your mindset, changing your philosophy, mm-hmm. or maybe not. Uh, but that's what we're talking about today, is shifting gears. And what that means, and how to do it, and if you need to do it. So maybe the the place to start is asking you first gear, first gear neutral, one. neutral. What? I actually don't know. Yeah, neutral, and then you end up first gear. No, wait, parking. We're talking about bikes or cars. The pivot. Uh, <laughs> the pivot. All right. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Have you had to change your approach, your philosophy, or is it been a consistency in your life? going from all these different types of careers? Good question. I, you know, 
Personally, I think that I've, I haven't really shifted my philosophy or my approach. I think um, we're dealing in a time where, where the economy of the world is changing so rapidly. And I think even looking at what, what we do, we, we're all creatives and you started in advertising and, and you started to a certain degree in advertising, but what we do now, is it even considered advertising? Or there's some side projects where it's not even advertising, it's just creative output. And I think it's, it's, we've had to deal as, as creatives, especially in the last, you know, five to six years, we've had to deal with just client needs are changing, what they come to the table with, the types of projects that we're put on are, are constantly changing. And it's, it's, I think having the same, I've, I've tried to have the same approach um, to a lot of the projects I work on it. And it, it's being flexible, it's being adaptable, it's being open to, to that, that ability to, to pivot in real time. And I think that, you know, going back to, you know, even from my target days, or even when I was, was over in China, just, or even when I was living out in San Diego, just being in different cultures and, and being observant and almost tapping into that, that ethnographic research of sorts um, and having that perspective, you're always trying to tap into to what, what's the motivation behind um, human decision or human, why they're choosing to do certain things. And I think having that perspective, depending on what, you're always going to be dealing with people. Any new project, any new client, any new you know, relationship just comes down to, you know, what is the client, what does the client need? Who are we trying to reach? Um, and so when you're dealing with a lot of different types of, of projects, I try to be consistent with my approach. Mm. I mean, <laughs> here's the thing. We're not talking about this, but what you are saying right now to me is about being engaged and like engaged, like you're engaged in your life, like you're present, you're actually active in it. And like you have your eyes open. I feel like... <laughs> Even if somebody took one thing away from this episode at all is like you are an engaged human and that is incredibly valuable because that even if we're not talking about philosophies or whatever, it's like it doesn't matter what gear you're in. It doesn't matter like what situation you're in. You're just sort of like there and you're behaving in that. I, I don't know. So I think there's something and to that. You guys that. have talked about this before. I mean, it, it is a certain level of, I would imagine, awareness of sorts. Oh, wow. He's pulling the references. The key, right? He, well, certainly. I've done, yeah, my, I've done my due diligence. Yeah, I've done my research. <laughs> this. I mean, and there's another thing, right? It's like putting in the work, the due diligence. Mm-hmm. That's like another thing. Yeah. All of that stuff is, is important. It's interesting to hear that there are pretty strong common threads that kind of bind... In that way, it doesn't seem like all the different things that you've done are all that different when you mm-hmm. boil it down to the, the microscopic level. How has your perspective changed, even though you've you've kept a commonality in your philosophy? Yeah. But how hey, how have these different environments changed you? Interesting. As in regards to, to my work or just in regards to... Yeah, your creative perspective or maybe I mean, just the way that you live your life hey, on maybe a you can talk, basis. Maybe you can talk about like at what point you started calling yourself creative. That's a good point, uh, I too. Guess, yeah, that's right, interesting. Like, that's like, was that had to be a perspective change? Yeah. I mean, why? it's funny because I, I think I used it more as, as a title. You're right. Yeah, I used it as a title. I mean, coming out of, out of Camel Mathune as a, as a writer or a copywriter, um, what I started to realize was that the industry had changed so much that confining myself to a copywriter title was almost restricting what, what I thought I could bring to the table. And then... It's like, I don't want to be pigeonholed. And the world had changed so much, you know, traditionally in, in, in our industry, 
well, the idea used to be contained in the writing because people used to read, you know, and then the art director would, would come through and the, the idea was in the writing and then the art director would lay it out. Well, obviously, fast forward 35, 40 years, that's changed drastically. The idea can be in the visual. The idea can be in anything. The idea can come from anybody, but restricting yourself to a copywriter title, and I'm, I'm sure you could talk to this a little bit too, it's as we've moved into digital executions, you know, people sometimes start to push a lot of the projects started to push me into, you know, long form content writing. That's not, that's not really my background. Mm -hmm. uh, and so calling myself a creative, I think allowed me to approach projects differently. Um, and almost, you know, calling myself a, a creative, especially with my personal background, having a, a degree in business allowed me to really approach any, any situation or any potential problem um, automatically, I could approach it from two angles, you know, I, my training, my education, um, or then also creative thought, which is conceptual thought, which is just creating something that didn't exist before um, to try to find the solution. So knowledge-based work versus conceptual thought. So I think, um, what was the question? <laughs> well, okay. I mean, you're, I mean, you're already starting to answer. Really, right? where, where I was getting at was kind of even at what point you realized creative was a thing. I mean, I, I'm and, like kind of obsessed with this, but like you fucking played basketball in China, and then <laughs> right. like you got into ever like I guess you went into HR and stuff. But at what point did you realize like create creative work was a thing? Yeah. Well, I think I always was attracted. You know, even from a little kid, I was always attracted. I guess indirectly to to the idea of things. Now you have to remember, growing up as an athlete, I love you think about the brands that I was introduced to outside of Milwaukee, Nike. <clears throat> you know, you're into, you know, you're into to Milwaukee Bucks. You're into. I was into professional sports, and I was into to brands that were kind of associated with with professional sports. And I was always, I always, I guess, was was consumed or wanted to figure out who really comes up with with the ideas at the end of the at the end of the day who's really sitting down and coming up with the idea now whether that be behind a slogan behind the execution of a commercial behind um, just the idea maybe it's a marketing strategy just just the idea in general and so my pursuit when I was at Target I was always trying to get in to marketing because I thought if I got into marketing, it would only be a matter of time before I figured out who was, <clears throat> excuse me, who was coming up with the ideas. And so <clears throat> that, I guess that has led me to become a, a creative is probably the pursuit of who's really um, has the final say or who's really making the decision um, to move forward in a certain direction, which has probably just consistently put me on a path towards being a creative. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, it, it makes a lot of sense. It's almost kind of a, a predestination type thing where your natural curiosity, the thing that you were passionate about, was driving you toward this eventuality of being a creative. There's no version of the future where you wouldn't eventually wind up doing what you're doing. I, I totally agree with that. I, it's funny because I, I say that with my background in writing. I used to do a lot more, I would imagine I'd used to, I used to do a lot more quote unquote creative writing as far as observations, as far as just journal entries before I became a writer. And then I became a writer in the industry and I was actually doing less writing. So I was, it, it was like, I was <laughs> right. It's like 
that practice or, or that, that life stage or the, that time period in my life, that moment in my life, um, allowed me to become a writer, but you know, I wasn't technically called a writer at that point. I just was, Hmm. I mean, I think we'd be slightly remiss to say, I mean, you're saying like, there's no version of your life or like anything that you wouldn't be doing what you're doing now. But I, I feel like I come from the perspective that there are limitless possibilities to what you might be doing, even if the kernel stays the same. And I feel like that is like embodied in the idea of shifting gears, especially we've already been talking so much about technology and industry changing. I feel like that's like the game. And so to me, to me, I think switching gears or, or shifting gears, shifting gears. Yeah. All right. We're shifting rolling gears. shifting gears. The th- is the theme of this changing throughout? Is it? <laughs> <Was> it? <laughs> very- oh, oh, meta topic. <laughs> kind of though, like the value of the, of let's just call it the skill, the ability to switch gears, to shift gears is, uh, is that you are more flexible, more malleable to new things and to different situations. And I think especially if you're quote unquote creative and like that term is like becoming more of a topic and is gonna continue to evolve. But like that is how you make yourself relevant and like consistently able to evolve with the times is that ability. Yeah, I'm reminded, especially when I look at, I mean, both of your career trajectories and both of the the paths that you took to get where you are of the really like cliched saying the more things change the more they stay the same Uh, so in in the the classical application of that phrase it's kind of cynical it's to say that nothing really changed but that's not really how i'm applying here or i don't really think that's what the the adage says i think there's a truth to the fact that when you embrace change like you two both have you pursue a very diverse array of disciplines and passions, the commonality between them starts to emerge. And when you start to look back, you see that for all the ways that things changed superficially, there was a lot of consistency in how they all came to be. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. And I think from, you know, to go to my, back to my business training, I guess, um, that can actually become your value add. I mean, that that can actually become how that perspective or that experience can actually start to grow into mm-hmm. um, what you can provide to a conversation, to a project, to a, a solution. Um, so yeah, it's almost like the more throw me in, it's, it's throw me into to the next encounter, throw me into the next environment. Um, because I will figure out a way yeah. to to find my value or find my role in that environment. Oh, the thing about that idea that makes it valuable over the long term to me is that you f- you okay, you're talking about your own value to a project or to a thing, but finding a way to find value f- or f- the perspective or whatever that kernel is for you. So the way I uh do that or use that is like each project, each thing, there's something you're getting out of it. And there's something you're taking with you. I feel like the uh, spot that a lot of people miss out on is they don't take anything with them from the experience. 
I don't mean like a physical artifact, but I just mean like, well, okay, well, what was the, not like lesson, but like, oh, what was yeah, your experience? Yeah, like lesson. Yeah, I mean, basically, what was the, yeah, okay. Yeah, that makes sense though. <laughs> so afraid of cliche that I can't even say right. like the actual thing. Yeah. But that's true. Always a student to a certain degree. Yeah, always, always there we go. A student. And so I mean, maybe that's... that's kind of what shifting gears means. I'm curious how you both have, I mean, something has had to have changed despite the commonality, some practical things have to have changed in the pursuit of a diverse array of professions or passions, right? There have to be ways in which you've learned something from your experiences or you've been forced to adapt to your new environments that have added, if not changed, added layers to your philosophy. So I'm kind of curious what what those are and if there are any notable examples from your past that stick out. Well, the thing that you... Going back, the thing that you kind of remind me of too is I think in our right now in our society we tend to people tend to find a lot of their identity by what they do, mm-hmm. you know, and I I don't think um, that necessarily needs to be the case or sh- or should be the case, and I think if you if you frame it a little bit differently and you and you frame it with what can I knowing who you are and knowing what you can provide. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, to certain situations, um, that's, then you don't really need to seek that. It actually kind of indirectly becomes your profession. Um, so I, I, I mean, that's, that's something everybody loves to talk about what they do or, or, mm, but the thing is how they do it is super important, not just process wise, but I like, I think about a lot of like what kind of, especially like what kind of collaborator am I and how do I want that experience to go for someone that's, very very important i was gonna say just as important as the thing that we do or like the product yeah can you go back to what you were talking about before uh, the question that you asked so what has changed through- yeah uh like how how have you witnessed yourself changing through the lens of different the different hats that you wear how has each stop along the way changed your perspective or maybe it hasn't at all we've already talked about the ways that your approach has stayed the same and the reasons for that. Those mm-hmm. are good reasons. How has different environments changed your, if not philosophy, approach to the actual creative work? I think I've, I've become more patient. I mean, I think when you start off early on, you really, you really want to, you, you want everything now. And then in, and so I think looking at wisdom, Right. Looking at at projects I've worked on, I think you have to be you have to be a little bit more patient patient because you have to realize that it takes a lot of people it and it takes time to to execute or sometimes to get certain projects to the level that you want it to be at. Um so I think when I started, it was kind of like, I have the information, I have, I, I feel like I have the idea, why can't we do this? And I think as, as I've, you know, I've only, being in the industry for about six or seven years, I realized the idea is, is the most important part, but that's really the starting point, and, you know, and figuring out the resources, the ways, the, the people, the, the type of things you need to put together to get that idea through to execution, um, I'm I'm still learning that, and that that needs to be 
and that within that process you need to be flexible but you need to be patient because um i guess anything worth you know worth executing on or at, at the level that you want it to be at takes time and is worth your time and your energy yeah i mean talk about shifting gears the the shift between you know making and doing the shift between we've all been the person with a great idea but bringing it to reality that's that's a shift in philosophy even if your approach to life stays the same your approach to that singular concept has to change pretty dramatically mm. totally different states uh what i'm reminded of here vince is we talked a lot about self-awareness certainly on <laughs> at length i would on say season, <laughs> seasons one and two as referenced by uh, Mr. But, Kevin. but it's a brave new world. It, it truly is. Aldous Huxley would be proud of us. <laughs> uh, I, the new stage for me has been self-definition. And I think that applies a lot to making a project actually happen. And it applies a lot to an idea that I want to talk about a little bit. And the first one with make, making a project happen, it's like, I think especially earlier in my own career or in general... It's just, it's like the same idea of being young and seeing like the world happening and the adults doing things. And then you get older, you get older, you see sort of behind the curtain, you see how the sausage is made. You realize that it is so much of self-definition. It is so much of actually acting and making. It's not like it's all just like, you know, there are systems designed around us that, you know, make things move, but it really comes down to you making it move. So in a creative project, that might be you saying, Oh, I think this is the best path to point B that we want to get to, and I agree. I mean, I think it's a lot of um, going back to just human nature. It's a lot of the fear of the unknown. Yeah. I mean, it's like jumping into something. There's a lot of uncertainty mm-hmm. in, in today's economy, in t- in professions, in roles within an agency. There's a lot of uncertainty happening, and so sometimes just being that the person that defaults to action. Like, yeah. Hey. Okay. I, what we'll are start we, from anywhere? What are we doing? I, be, be gravity. We talked about that before a lot, but like we have no gravity when we're floating around in creative space. I dare let's say just, shift out of neutral. Right. Yeah. yeah. There we go. <laughs> let's just go. Let's move a direction. Yeah. Even if it's a reverse. Right. <laughs> Seriously, though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, absolutely. So the second thing that I was reminded of was the idea of like saying no, and to me that's like a self definition move too, because that is shifting gears. Mm-hmm. Or not just saying no, but recognizing when you need to shift gears. I feel like personally, there have been projects, for example, like TEDx stuff. I was deeply involved in TEDx, like Hennepin Avenue and then TEDx Minneapolis. And I realized, oh, I think I have like now I'm going to outlast my utility for the thing and for myself. And so I think I need to move on. I need to shift gears from here. I think that it's just like relationships, like whether that's, you know, like a romantic relationship even, but it's just people who just stay in relationships too long and aren't willing to, like, move on to the next stage. I feel like... Oh. So, no, no, no. That okay, was, that was, a, that I, was This a hand is of, the rare... Like, okay, this is... Okay. <laughs> the hand of agreement? No, it was it was just like a... It was more of a testify move. Preach. It's a hard thing to do for so someone hard. who is a maker and a doer to quit on something. Yeah. Even when quitting on something is the right move. I, but I totally agree. I think... The best creative minds have some intuitive way to prioritize because if you think about, we only have, as human beings, we only have a finite amount of energy to pump into certain projects, into what we're working on at a certain time. And 
the more you divide up that that energy uh, to certain projects, you're you're actually there's an opportunity cost. You're taking away that energy that could be devoted to something. Undoubtedly, else. yeah. And there's, um, yeah. I actually think that you know it reminds me of of the Herman Hesse book, The Journey to the East. I don't know if you guys have, have read it, but it's about putting putting the energy. You know how creatives or artists or writers putting the energy into the work at at times kind of extracts from from your life a little bit it becomes which extracts from the work it becomes your right? devotion yeah so i think having the ability i think it's important and this is something that i'm still trying to work on having the ability to be able to prioritize and and knowing when and trusting your instincts knowing when to say no to a certain thing and knowing where to to push your energy um onto certain projects hopefully that's instinctual i mean it's gotten you know up to this point it has been for me um but yeah, that's something that I, I guess I'm constantly trying to work on. Uh, you know, am I making the right decision, or or am I putting my energy into the right the right area right now um, for myself? Totally, I'm just picturing us driving along, like mm-hmm. is this se- gear se- metaphor? Several this- roads, <laughs> but there is there is there exists this like bright shiny object of of perceived opportunity that you instinctually would drive toward. And sometimes, respect, sometimes Vince just cheers himself. <laughs> you bastard. Cheers and empty glass, the full glass. Moving on. Uh, right. The glass bo- half. <laughs> both glasses empty. Classic Vince. <laughs> so the point being that sometimes we, it's just like, it's natural to drive towards the bright light. It is. And to, to see beyond that is really kind of the game and like slowing down. Or even it. around it, not even beyond it. Around ah. it. And understanding. Above it, but yeah. Who's to say? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's, it is an interesting point of view. Uh, it's an interesting problem to have. Too many people have the problem that would never even facilitate having the other problem. I'm starting to get layers upon layers of sure. understandability. S- such as the show. But... Uh, <laughs> Too too many people have trouble starting a project. It's something we address very frequently on uh, the yeah. show. It's I would say one of the fundamental problems that our show addresses is people who are afraid, unwilling, stop unable for to, any reason. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Treading water, but knowing when to stop a project—that is a nuanced sure. problem. That's the next one. I mean, that's a big stage, man, and it requires a pretty severe shift in gear. It's also, dude, it's like, if we put it in like a poker metaphor too, it's like, it's it's tough because you have a quote unquote finite amount of chips and you're playing a hand. And at what point do you, do you think you're pot committed, as they say? Are you familiar with the term? I, I play a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so for those <laughs> who, listeners who aren't, yeah, for those who aren't, it's, it's the point at which your investment in the hand uh, belies, did I use that right? Yeah. It belies your uh, your like to fold at this point to quit the hand. It's a bad investment. It's a bad investment. Right. Yeah, yeah. Your investment it's not is not mathematically too sound. Yeah, yeah. To so, to fold, even if you're sh- even if you're pretty sure you'll lose at this. Yeah, point. even if you're ninety nine percent sure, because that one percent is still worth trying to pursue. Right. Yes. But this is it's not a perfect metaphor because there's yes. a lot of times we're cutting bait well, or. I think it actually isn't, man. I think people think they're more pot committed than they are. I think they don't realize what chips they have or what they can do with the other chips. I think a lot of times they think they're pot committed and they drive themselves out of the game. You know, this kind of reminds me of going back to your your conversation before about 
relationships and kind of the parallel between what we're talking about in relationships. Personally, for me, I, I think there's a there's a direct connection. Being from Milwaukee, I realized this pretty early where keeping relationships with my buddies back back in Milwaukee or, or friends and family that I had there, the amount of relationships I keep back there restrict from the amount of relationships that I can have up here. Yeah. And, you know, and, and not knowing when, when I first moved up here, not knowing if I was going to stay up here, what the story was going to be. And you can you can slowly start to see, you know, time and investment or being able to disengage from those types of relationships. When to when is the relationship done? When do we say no? There's no commonality there anymore. Allows you to to move forward and to create or to have new relationships with with people in the Twin Cities. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a cool thing to think about. When when do you know when to to move on? And when do you know when to, to shift and pivot? And Yeah, I mean, truly, I think the thing to remember, though, the important place where the poker analogy breaks down is that <laughs> the, back to the-, <laughs> the there is not necessarily only a raise, call, or fold option. There are ways that you can regress. There are ways that you can partially decommit. There are ways that you can balance Psychological the games you can play with the other players. Jeez. Flip, <laughs> flip the table. I mean, right. But there are, there are degrees. And so people too frequently look at projects and relationships in these black and white terms. Oh, nothing yet. Either I have to be all in or I have to cut them out. But that's not always the right, the healthy way to do it. Maybe, can, make, maybe make a small bet. Make a series of small bets. Seriously, though. Yeah. No, I, I, like, it's, it's yeah. true. I think Kenny Rogers has a song about this. Was it? <laughs> I, think we got, I think he summed it up pretty nicely. And, uh, <laughs> and if our editor is paying attention, he'll have dropped in a 15 second or less clip so that we oh, yeah, won't we, run into any copyright infringement. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to hit the copyright laws. Uh, Respect. Thanks for that, Pat. Where, what kind of gears are you still trying to shift into? To this day, I, you know, I think I, you know, coming off my experience of of working with a group of guys in Uptown and and running Superhuman and and being able to, you know, work with a group of of two or three of us and run a collective, I like, um, I like the idea of of creating an identity of of an organization that then influences the work coming out and uh, tell people what superhuman is so superhuman was a was still is no yeah, still is, like, is. Okay, okay. superhuman Just I context worked with a couple worked with a couple buddies as far as we ran a collective um out of uptown in area in minneapolis and nice. um it was it was myself partner van horgan and then grant wilson and then we had um a couple other freelancers that came through but we started an agency. We we worked together um, pretty closely for about eighteen months, um, and it was it was nice to not only we we all have creative backgrounds, you know, copywriter, uh, designer, um, and then also kind of a strategist. But it was nice to not only at this point in my career, it was, it was nice for me to not only focus on working on client work, but then also indirectly working on the identity the culture of an agency that then influences the type of work uh, that we're working on. And it's a good, for me personally in my career, I think it was a good place to operate in for a while because you start to, you start to realize creative work. And, and with my background, you start to realize the role that creative works, that, that creative work plays in kind of a, a bigger picture. Um, and I like that. How does, 
how does an agency, a culture, a process, a way of doing work eventually influence the work going out? And I think if you look at, it's funny because everybody, I always use the classic example in our industry of, of Burnback, um, of, you know, everybody loves them for the Volkswagen work. Um, you know, everybody loves them for the, the think small. The DDB? And Bill Burnback? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And he... He was the first person in the industry to, to pair, you know, the writer with the art director. So indirectly, he he changed the way our industry traditionally does business or he changed the process. Now, that's a cool place to play in, you know. Let's change the way that we approach just work. And then indirectly, the work will be a byproduct of, of a, big, a bigger creative idea. So I think for... That's what I liked, you know, in my working with, with the team up at, at Lee Branding in my current role, I can see how I can not only come in right away and, and add to the projects and the clients that we're working on, I can come in right away and actually add to the agency and, and add to the identity of... And what is that but like self-awareness and self-definition? Right. I mean, this Truly the, the anthropological vibe that you mentioned early on in our conversation is, sh- is shining through in everything that you say. The, the desire not only to understand how things affect other things in the most vague possible sense, but also <laughs> hoping to affect those things and affect change through changing the process or the cultural mindset at a high level. Very interesting to me. It, I mean, it goes back to design. I mean, we're all kind of in the world of design thinking at this sure. point and, and, and design thinking can be, you can approach or, or you can put that, that structure of design thinking to, to almost any quote unquote project, whether that be an agency, uh, a client work. Totally, man. It's, it's just an approach in a way of. Such as the opportunity, I think, that we're afforded in the current uh, landscape. I agree. I completely agree. Un- undoubtedly. <sighs> can we peel, Real quick before we maybe shift gears in Jesus. terms of the show, can we peel back a, a, a layer and ask? And it's going to seem like a stupid question. It really is. I know. I believe you. I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> what are the gears? What is what is the gear in this metaphor? When we say shifting gears, in terms of our creative processes or our careers, yeah. What does that? What does it even really mean? I feel like okay. I feel like it's sort of an imperfect metaphor not unlike the poker but to like when we're talking about shifting gears it implies like forward progress or it just implies like ramping up whereas i see it i see it more as i guess pivoting it's more like where are you to me a gear is where you're putting your time or energy and so it's just like switching focus focus is probably a better that's what i was looking for i think it's it's, wow good luck or good luck following that up mr hughes chapters oh Oh, interesting. Well, what do you, what do you think? Uh, pretty good. Kind of turn the, so far, but no, go on. Turn, turn the turn page. page. Oh, okay. All right, all right, all right. That's I don't know. Man, that's, yeah. that's a wrap. That's <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, it could be. I don't, I don't know. It is it's chapters. Kind of, no, I mean, it's the same same thing. Yeah. It's the same thing. Well, yeah, when do you end this chapter? When do you continue this chapter? I mean, I feel like focus Vince, is... Vince, are we not the authors of our own story? I mean, we we undoubtedly are, right? Wait, are, is that a writing comment? Is that a writing comment? Um, but I feel my like friend folk. J.K. Uh, <laughs> sent that one to me, Rowling. Are there, are there different <laughs> beliefs on that? 
between the two of you? I, I don't or? think so. No. <laughs> I, I think this is just spiraling into the he said, he said. But <laughs> I think focus is a good way to look at it. Uh, because focus doesn't fundamentally change where the eyes are coming from. Ooh. So they'll come back to the brain. Hell right? yeah. But the eyes change where they're looking. Wow. And that, to me, is is what the shifting of gears is, right? Right. It's how you apply your philosophy. It's not changing your perspective. It's where that perspective is gazing. I like that. Mm, but maybe you see a little differently after. You know, you're, you can, you know, it increases your range of, of eye motion. Wait, are you suggesting that a metaphor we made is breaking down? Has that <laughs> ever happened never, before on the show? I would certainly never. <laughs> hey, can we shift gears? Can we shift gears within the show? Uh, yeah. I'm forcing you to talk about sound effects. Actually, an upgrade over the physical comedy that we occasionally do that people can't see because this is a. I feel like it's still getting laughs out there, though. People can sense the intention. laughing hysterically. (laughs) How about we talk about something that's maybe not germane? Particularly germane. Particularly germane to the topic at hand. That would be the off-topic topic, something we like to do every the week. The OTT. Kind of refresh, as I once mistakenly referred to it as a moose-boosh. Yeah, it was wrong. Which is what comes before the conversation. And and let, so that's not let's right. not forget that, because that was so dumb. <laughs> more. This sounds... Yeah, no, like no, this, it was just is... a really dumb comment that Vince made, and we like to sort of call it in the In the second ever episode, but... Yeah, it was, number two. <laughs> more importantly, today we're talking about... This is kind of germane... To the topic, or at least to the subject. Do we have, do we have subjects here? Are we you don't subject? really. Well, because he's a sports ball player. That's true. He does play sports ball. Uh, he's, sports he's ball. A, he's a b-ball player. <laughs> We're talking about bar games. Uh, that bar would sports. Be bar sports. Your darts, your billiard, your uh, what else, what have you. Foosball? Foosball, great addition, yes, of course. Uh, what's the, there's some dice games, I think, that oh, could yeah. maybe be included. Bar craps table? That's in a bar? No, 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 no. there's a game. Casino. Oh, bar like die? Seven, six, eight or something, are you familiar there's with There's bar die, there's shuffleboard. Oh, shuffleboard is a great oh, addition. Wow. Yes, so nice. clearly you are an expert. Oh, that is a, well, do you like, do you play these tavern games? <laughs> do you like? I do play bar games, yes. What, what are your favorites and what are you best at? Wow, this is interesting. Um, do play, I, I do play billiards. I do play pool. Um, I would guess that's probably, I did grow up with a pool table. Wow. So that would probably be my best bar game. Does your seven foot wingspan attribute to your ability to hit difficult shots? It does help. And also my ability to focus. Oh, uh oh. no, billiards would probably be, um, but I don't know. There's somebody I I enjoy ping pong. I don't know if that's considered oh, a boy. bar. That's a family of sports. There Ugh. are some there are some bars in Milwaukee that are opening up with a I lot a of fan. ping pong tables. Dude, yeah, I have that I, is that's the game. There's a hole in my heart that exists where ping pong some ones. Like, I want to play. Yeah, that is, I've never been good at, at darts. Um, or as good as well, I want to be. Well, it's because you throw down. I don't. I've just never been as good as it's I guess easier I to throw want up. to be. Yeah, there we go. I mean, With, you're, you're joking. Against like, gravity? or No, I mean, Grant's kidding in a way, but it's been shown that that medium-height darts players are the best. People who are... That is not who me. Throw it, who can throw it in a straight line. Yeah, of course. So you guys are pretty good at darts. 
Is this wow. shaping up to a challenge? I'm actually. I'd rather play you in ping pong. Is this Consider a double us... dare? Is this physical challenge? Hey, yeah. Uh, oh. hey, I, I, will, I will. Real world road rules. This actually wouldn't be the first time we had a ping pong challenge on the show. It would Back be the exact... episode thirty-eight. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Encyclopedic. Uh, but but seriously, man, time. I fucking want to play. And pardon my language, but I had been holding this uh, this paddle inside me He's, for far too long. Itch that only and pong pong that, visual, that visual was not good for me. Uh, hey, I Vinny, do enjoy Vinny, bar games. Here's the thing. Here, here's the thing. What I was thinking of right away was we were like, oh, these bar games, there's the dice, or you got craps. But dude, barcades. That's that's what a bar Next. is, right? Oh, a bar bar is a barcade. <laughs> and where I'm from. <laughs> oh, Wait, well, what, what do you mean by that? Do you mean? What do you mean? There's like any bar that. So so where are you, where are you from again? So Milwaukee. So, Milwaukee. So, yeah. Okay. So what do you mean? Like any bar that has? So if you walk into a bar, I guess. It, well, you. What do you mean? Like pool tables. Pool tables. Oh, yeah. Arts. I'm talking I, about. I think arc- there's. Oh, you mean like specific? A barcade, like rusty quarters. Oh, you mean like oh. game over? Insert coins. I remember. Oh, game over. You, yeah. I see where we're going with that. You mean okay. like. Yeah. Electronic. You mean yeah, like that's a thing. Taverns of the seventies. Pinball wizard. You mean Pac Man. I mean in a, a warm Pac-Man. high life. I mean in a, a warm high life. Yeah. What about spillage though? Electrocution. <laughs> well, what about it? We're not analyzing. It. We're just saying, These things exist. I'm just it's yeah. A good yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you were testing that <laughs> avenue. You know, the you Bauhaus- put a quarter in that machine to see if it would work. <laughs> the, the Bauhaus in uh, in Minneapolis, which is my favorite brewery, moments away. Oh yeah. Uh, has a Mortal Kombat machine. Ooh, as I once did. You once did as well. I, I was a big fan of that. Uh, I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm terrible at the game, but I do love. To play. I am not a fan of that game because it's not, well. I had one in my old studio and then in my new studio, so I probably had the game for a total of like two years or something. On Maybe the arcade machine, on the actual, yeah, yeah, on arcade, an actual machine. arcade machine. See, I'm a little, I'm a little older. What about like a Double Dragon? You guys Ooh. ever grow up with the Double the, Dragon arcade the, game? The two player side scrolling. See, these guys. Are, What's he talking? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I just dated myself. Oh, what about the? Sit I down, wish I could date what myself. About the, I feel like I'd be a good. The sit down Pac Man's at the Pizza Hut. Ooh. That's the through this in a little cage. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's next level. Wow. Uh, those are cool. Those are cool. <laughs> uh, I favorite game. I actually am a huge darts fan. I'm actually pretty decent at darts. A darts boy. I do like to dart. Yeah, I think I've seen you play. Yeah. Methune used to have a, a board. Oh yeah, that's and where I saw you when, play. And then when my friend uh, and associate Paul Brink came over to to Yamamoto, works with me now here and there. Uh, he brought a dartboard as well. Oh, he brought uh, something to the table. So now, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. now the culture has shifted. Add value, add Guys, value. I mean, there's his value. It's know, how do we, we do the work? What does the <laughs> process look like? Guys, we need a dartboard. Oh yeah. I mean that was day. Well, that was like week one for him. Yeah, respect. It was a sticking point. Um, there are other games too. I feel like I don't have any. Shuffleboard's com- a great, a great one. Well, Hughes brought that up. I'm, I'm thinking more of like along the lines of what Hughes was getting at, which is like sociological games. Like, what are the games you can play? The game of with, life. Yeah, exactly. And uh, for me, which I can't imagine Kevin would have the same feeling. For me, sometimes but, just running around and just like being agile and like darting throughout. The bar is kind of a game. Interesting. 
I've never been on that level. That's an interesting. That, that is. I mean, that's fascinating. What do, you, what do you mean? Like you just you move just around? Move Tell me more. This is, it's this sort is, of a dance. It's, I guess it's more of an artistic so, expression than anything. a low impact parkour where you just yes, 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 in between. Yes, 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 yes. This is what you do in social. Like when you're at a bar, you like to move around and do well, a little. Well, if it's really if it's really full, and I have some friends who are familiar with my agility, there it's a bit of a show for them. That sounds. That sounds like exercise. That's I like a, that actually. That's bizarre, but cool. Thanks. You can kind of. You're at that level where you can kind of just like sneak through. The no, I have. I have high agility, and if I turn sideways, I have high agility. I have, oh, I'm a ten agility. <laughs> this pretty, is a common phrase known among my friends. Is I'm pretty, a ten agility. And a pretty slim profile, all things considered. Yeah, fairly slim profile. Low center of gravity, certainly. Yep. Yep. True. <laughs> I'm just saying that's the game. <laughs> Interesting. Is drinking aggressively a game? Not too much. I just, I'm kind of over that. I, I don't know. I like drinking, but. Now speak for yourself, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. But, uh, that's, uh, I mean, cool. I like I like bar games. They're fun. The older I get, the more I appreciate something to Ooh, actually do. I used to bartend. So Bucker. actually, to kind of bring it, I guess not full circle, but. Half circle. Three quarters? Half circle, yeah. To bring it 180. From 12 Crescent Moon, 12 p.m. to 9. I honestly think, you know, going back to, to kind of what we talked about, you know, career projects that you've worked on or, or the pursuit of, of, I guess, becoming a creative of sorts. One of my favorite jobs was actually bartending. I loved when I was living out in San Diego. I did it um, for some time up in Green Bay and then did it out in San Diego. I think there's a lot of stuff you can learn just as far, I mean, your livelihood depends on the tips. So it's like just just knowing people, or or, or I loved my experience out there working. What a anthropological and socio cultural. Don't put crucible. me to a box. Don't. I mean, <laughs> no, yeah, but right. like, what a what a hyperbaric chamber of anthropology. Well, I bartending think, is. I don't know if you guys know this, but I know basketball fans would know this. But Al McGuire, the coach that used to coach for Marquette. Back in the day, yeah, he said a legend. Kind of a <laughs> look him up, but as far as from like a philosophical well, standpoint, you know, he said the two most important jobs coming out of out of high school or college or, or for your first jobs are, are bartending and taxi driver. Just getting to know getting to know people, um, and so yeah, I I it's totally agree. It was um, plus it had its benefits out there. <laughs> oh wow what a sly smile uh but i i mean it makes a lot of sense uh if if your approach to the world is one of discovery and learning mingling about the people getting a, a first-hand account of a lot of different types of people has to be very valuable oh for sure for sure and to get it in the to you know to get it out in, in southern california especially coming off of my time at at you know, traveling around China was was awesome. It was a perfect time. It was kind of just a lot of the stuff that I was doing as far as, you know, observing culture. Why do people do certain things here and being in being put in extreme environments where it was nice to kind of get out there um, and try to apply that same perspective or that same lens to, to still living in, in the United States? I feel like we're we're at a, a perfect juncture yeah. To parlay bit, into bit the, split in the road to the next, uh, the next couple next questions, stage, the next chapter, if you will. Just chat to the, oh, back to the book reference. Oh, I still like it. Kevin Hughes, thank you so much so far for joining us. It's been a, a awesome. great conversation. And, and let me speak for both of us when I say so far. 
Now it gets, <laughs> I just want to double down on that. No, like, this is no, where it ends. No, let's just be clear. Get, no, let's just be clear that it's not over and like you still have something to prove here. This is where you turn up. Turn We've up got a, a pair of questions for you. I'm going to ask them one at a time All right. so as to not unnecessarily overload the listeners or the guests with information. Uh, I don't like the invocation you make there. <laughs> like, oh, they can't handle it? <laughs> anyway, the first question we have for you, if you'd be so gracious as to answer it. How can our listeners support you, Kevin Hughes? Wow. Um, who are your listeners? Uh, well, there's uh, Jenny in, Jenny. Uh, in Oregon. And then there's <laughs> Let's David Let's go play in some Texas. bar games, Jenny. And that's it. That's <laughs> yeah. the list. I don't, I don't like this. I feel like, take that humor to your other show, all right? I, <laughs> there's no place here. No, it's not necessarily... I guess it's not necessarily supporting me. I, I guess indirectly. I, You know, in, in a roundabout way, I... I I love what's going on in the city right now. You know, I love kind of getting into the industry the last five, six years and, and being able to meet a lot of, of different, I guess, quote unquote, creative types. That seems to be a, a word that we're, we're using. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's to see how everybody's career has kind of progressed, even in a short amount of time, has been, been really cool because we've gotten involved in different types of projects, different types of things. Um, yet I... I it's nice to see kind of where what we're pursuing and i think eventually in some weird way i think it eventually will kind of all come back together um so i it's not really about supporting me i I guess it's kind of just supporting supporting things like this i mean this is you guys you know you guys inspire me as far as like what you guys are doing And, and again going back you know one of my personal philosophies is is again trying to to focus on that action how can i continue it's one thing to be talking about doing something. It's another thing to actually be so consumed or so so busy in the action that you don't have time to talk about, I should do this. I, I wish I could do this. And I think uh, a lot of the stuff that you guys are doing um, it is exactly in tune with with my personal beliefs. So it's not necessarily, like I said, me. It's, it's supporting things like, like this. And, and I think if, if we have people that, that support, you know, this podcast and stuff like that, it's it's... I would just love to see a lot of the people that I know in the city kind of continue to, to be successful and continue to evolve in, in their career um, as we, we push forward. So, I What mean, a gracious fucking answer. Yeah, you diplomatic. Just, that, son of a... How, no, no. But really, check right. out my personal... And, and, and great. We'll yeah. show, we'll show notes ch- something. You got a cider? And buy my new can... album. It's coming out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll put your site on the show notes, but that's actually a very... That's a, 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 a conscientious and a gracious way to say something important which is support the people that are doing cool things right right uh, and there's... donate to my kickstarter it's <laughs> oh, okay. uh, go fund me uh, my patreon fund my hand me my five bar games, on the street but... <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, he's hey the next stage of that too though is like collaborate and lift each other up like that's true, that's true. one thing with you guys. I've, I, it's cool to be here, honestly. And Respect. That's one thing I've always talked about with you. I know trying to oh, figure yeah. out situation. We're constantly We've always, trying to find something. <laughs> like what can this how is something? Can, how can I'll this is this. something? I'll like, count this. How can we get our hand? You know, it's it's at the end of the day. I want uh, you know I want to be working on cool things with and, and be surrounded by by people that I enjoy spending time with and people <laughs> that I think are extremely talented. I mean, that's and in this city, that's not that's not difficult. To find it's sometimes just aligning that that project um, with with the right type of 
people or, or team. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah, I, getting plugged in and finding the time. I'm pulling up in my phone. This isn't like a self-promo plug, but it's like the pinned tweet I've had on the top of my Twitter. Just says, just want to make dope stuff with dope people. You just, and that's kind of what it comes uh, down to. Right. And it's <laughs> yeah. like trying to find, right, trying to find those people and trying to find the, the right opportunity is, is something that I think uh, we all continue to It takes to, work, to man. Pursue. It takes work. So but like, like really, I mean, making space for that, making time for that, like, I don't know. There's like, I think that's something that could be done more often is like, even like, hey, let's, let's, let's like, let's hop on the line and just talk about, or like staying in touch with people who are doing cool stuff. And it's like, then eventually over time, you know, you identify something. You know, a, a real quick tidbit on that. I always love, you know, when you study when you study kind of like artistic movements in general, whether it be the salons of Paris, the impressionists, or, or yeah, or yeah, or, you know, even look at music, like, like the birth of hip hop, it really comes down to a group of people that all knew each other. You know what I mean? And, and that to me, that's, that's fascinating because Mm -hmm. if you, if you study kind of that, that birthplace or that Genesis of a lot of, of artistic movements, it's a group of people that were all trying to pursue the same type of, of dream or goal, and they all were very close to each other, whether that you know geographically or just in in their thoughts. Um, that's something that's always interesting to me, and, and you know, I would love to be in hindsight, I'd love to be part of doing something like that right now. So, it's not. I mean, and there's and there's no reason to say that you haven't already been. If you people who are involved in a lot of things. People who collaborate, people who create, they're bound to have a ripple effect in mm-hmm. the communities that they're, they're creating in. And uh, on a grander scale, to the creative zeitgeist as a whole. Whew. And we got all the way up to the creative zeitgeist on this episode. I That's know. great. I mean, <laughs> I tried to ladder all the way When's up. the last time? Uh, <laughs> it's been, oh, it's been exactly one, one episode. Um, <laughs> that was such an altruistic answer. That was a good answer to the first I, question. And I'm nice. worried that you did one have one? another question. Yeah, I, I had another question. And you were going to ask those in order? And I, I am. This is going to happen. So far. Right now, Kevin Hughes, if you would want the listeners to take one thing away from your time on the show, what would you want that to be? Interesting. No, I think it's it's no matter what you're doing – I think it would be probably that that action component. I mean, I think um, it's something that I've tried to to personally um, be cognizant or be aware of when I'm when I'm approaching anything new. But too many times we get it's the deer in headlights. You know, people don't want to get started on something, yeah. and it's like if you just focus if you focus on that that action. And this doesn't mean if if you don't have to be. I guess even consider yourself a creative. This is just um, no matter what you're doing, for me, it's being able to, to focus on that action and just get started and start doing it. Because when you throw yourself out there, again, going back to what Grant was saying, you learn from any environment you're in. So the sooner you throw yourself into any new environment, the sooner you're learning. And if you can focus on that action, you can be put into a lot of different types of environments where you're consistently learning. And that just ladders back up to, to, you know, future endeavors and, and the breadth of experience that you can pull from, um, you know, in the future. So, yeah, I'd have to say action. Action, absolutely, man. There are, I, I, I mean, people, preach, right? If right. Preach you hand, guys, you guys hand. know, though. You guys are preach doing it right now. I mean, trying to, of, yeah, trying part to. Part of your action right now. So For sure, yeah. I mean, setting up, even, even just practically setting up, I think about it in terms of showing up a lot, like forcing yourself to show up. 
and perform in some way. Not perform in like a put on, but like having to perform, having to give a presentation, having to give a talk, having to do anything. And if you set up like situations that require you to do that consistently, you will, by the very nature of it, learn and improve. Like an example has been for me, I've been taking this like music production class from like this lessons from this guy uh, most Mondays, I would say, since this fall. It's like if you look from step like at the start, I still like suck, quote unquote. I mean, I, but but the point the point is like from A to B, like I've already seen so much improvement mm-hmm. because it requires me to show up and knowing that I'm going to have to show up at X time then turns me on to the world. And this brings me back to like being engaged. So like if you know you're going to show up, you set up systems to do that. And then you just like live a more engaged life and you just kind of constantly improve. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, you're throwing yourself out there and, and then you're continually, you know, putting yourself in those environments, which which we need to be doing right now. I mean, we're st- we're still early on in our career, yeah, which we're, is like, I mean, as we human, are even as humankind. <laughs> did you know it were only one? Wow, minute. We, we really did ladder there. We laddered pretty hard. I think. In terms of switching gears, it's about you know it, you you can't you can't change gears if you don't know what the gears are that you can change to. Here we go. So if if that's a if that's not making a lot of sense, a lot of people the the very first step is even realizing they're in a gear, and then but but realizing how to change from this stage of ideation, this stage of oh I recognize that I'm a creative, but that means I come up with ideas. But then realizing that you have to shift, you have to change your philosophy into a doer, you have to then change your philosophy into an evaluator, you have to then change your philosophy into a collaborator, and realizing that even one philosophy takes a lot of different approaches is an important milestone. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think sometimes, you're right, I mean, living in that ideation world, that's the fun part. You know, that's where you're just, conceptually, you're just coming, it's like, what do we do this? It is is easy in a way. And you can sometimes, you know, depending on, you can sometimes get lost. Trick yourself into hanging around there. And it's like, it's comfortable and it's fun and it's desirable. It is. And so learning when to just kind of cut that cord and just say, we have to, at this point, we have to move on to the next stage. Um, Because learning when ideation becomes detrimental to the eventual goal um, is going back to to the awareness thing. It's going back to just going knowing, back to like the stepchild. Okay. Kind of just the present. <laughs> just constraint, knowing, maybe. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, have you guys covered this subject? Matter? No, 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 no. <laughs> Earlier on the episode. Guys, this is a yeah. brand new idea. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, but well said. And just like everything else in your time with us today, it's very insightful. This is cool. Thanks. And I, I, re- I really appreciate it. Grant really appreciates it. I'll talk for Grant. This is becoming a trope in and of itself. But thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's been a real pleasure, man. Gentlemen, thanks for having me. All best of luck to thank both you. of you guys. So. I, wanted to, I was really tempted here to go. And actually, Vince, I have a new segment I'm doing, and I have two questions, and I'm going to ask them in order. No, actually, I do, have a, do I do have a request. Bring uh, I have I have one. It's a request, not even a question. I guess it's a question. If you say no, then you should just leave, I guess. <laughs> so, and I'm going to ask it in order. And it's actually super germane to the I, subject. I am, the I references are like many so many others. It's too many. And, and now, damn, we got to like restructure the show or something. The we answer is yes. This. I'm going to your show this Friday. <laughs> oh, <laughs> respect. Thank you. That's yeah, you're, you're a gentleman. You're a gentleman. <laughs> See no, there, I was going to ask if you could sign us out as we uh, are apt to do on the show. We like to leave our listeners with a little... A little mantra we believe in here at 10,000 Hours. 
And that mantra is ship it. So if we could get a Kevin Hughes ship it for the listeners, that would make my heart flutter. Thanks for listening. Ship it. Ship it.